as a pastor, I want to help people through their struggles, not judge them and not say it's the end of the world, that the times I've doubted, I've sought God and found to him to be uh, more real than I ever even imagined. And that's why I am um, still pastoring. That's why I do this. I don't just do it for fun. I really feel that, that God, it is fun. I like preaching. Anybody like preaching or public speaking? It's kind of fun, actually, if you think about it. But this final one is such an important one that all has. I even talked last week about the science and faith. Does it go against each other? That's an important one because when you go open a textbook, you, you see one thing, you read the Bible, and you have another one. So even that, I, I don't think I've ever heard that in a church um, in my life. I'm not saying I'm the only one that's ever preached about it. I'm just saying, I, me, I never did. I thought, that's an important topic to talk about, especially if you think, well, if you're a student or if you're younger and you remember reading your textbook in science and then you read the Bible and you're like, uh-oh, and you start wondering, and I'm going to say right now, it doesn't contradict each other, the truth about science. But we're going to talk about something about people who don't, they don't only doubt the existence of God, but they might doubt not the existence of God. They might think that he exists, but they doubt his goodness. They doubt his, that he's very loving. And I want you to think about two facts right now. This is so important if you're struggling right now. Think about the existence of the world. We're here, okay? Just like any, any th these chairs that you're sitting on, the reason why they're here is someone put them together and then, uh, you know, 20 years, 15 years ago, two of us, me and another guy came and went and picked them up. Someone gave them to us. Something had, some physical thing had to take place so that this chair would be sitting right here right now. Okay, so we, I believe that God exists. It's hard to talk me out of that, I'll admit. If someone tries to talk me out of it, I, I go with um, a filter in my brain or my mind and say, no, I, I truly believe that. But I also have to admit another thing, that when I look at the condition of this world, it's worse now than it ever has been, but this world is chaotic, it's messy, it is, um, how many of us would admit that this world's kind of crazy? Kind of. It's worse than it ever has been. I always use, for my life, for if you're a little older, you might use a different exam, a different time. But for me, September 11, 2001 changed everything. I can look at before and after that the world changed, for me at least, the way that I saw things, the way that this world is. Like over the last 20-something years, it's gotten worse and worse and worse over time. And um, people ask questions that I think all of us need to ask. And I'm going to ask you a question. I want you not to speak out loud, but I want you to think about how you would defend the, how you would defend God being loving. Okay? So why would a loving God allow bad things to happen? You don't have to raise your hand if you've ever asked that. I have. Okay? And I've, I've had multiple people over the years since I was in high school the reason why they, they might have believed in a God of some sort, that a creator being, someone that's out there somewhere, they can't really quite grasp him. And the thing that they struggle with is the condition of the world. They can't take a good God in a world that looks like it does, and they can't put the two together. I'll admit this world's messy. I'll admit that this world's a disaster. I'll admit this world is not good. Like it's not, you don't have to be a Christian to know this, that there's something in this world. I'm talking about the, the, the world itself, the people around it. There's something off kilter. There's something weird about it, okay? 
I could kind of explain about why I believe that the world is the way it is, but that's a good question. How would you defend that if someone who were not a Christian, they came up to you and they said, Dwayne, you tell me, why would a loving God, or, or other, anyone else that's in this room, you just happen to be sitting in front of me, why would a loving God allow bad things to happen? How would you answer that? All of a sudden, Pastor Joel couldn't talk anymore. That's a, it's a miracle, right? Because all I do is talk, I've been told. Okay? All of a sudden, I'm not able to put a sentence together if I'm not prepared. We're going to talk a little bit about that because I hope to sow into your life seeds of truth about who God is. But I will admit, even at the end of this message, I'm going to admit this place is a disaster. This world's a mess. Okay? I mean, it's, it's like you took a bomb that went off here, a grenade went off here, some little kid, you know, smeared dirt everywhere and mud everywhere, and then this dog went out there and he did a mess on the carpet. And you took all those things together, as long, you know, bomb was bad enough, but you take all that together and you smear it everywhere. That's the world. What do you do with it? How do you clean that up? And by the end of this, you may go, yeah, you're right, Joel. This is a nasty world to be in. You're right. So I want to sow into your life some truth about who God is that um, we have to admit the obvious. Bad things happen to all of us. How many of us in the last year you went through something like bad, like a, like a traumatic experience or bad or made you question some things? Two of us. Okay, the rest of us, you had a good year. I want to hang out with you guys more, okay? Because there were some things in my life that I went, oh, I wouldn't choose to go through that. Now, one thing I want you to notice when you read the Bible, if you read the Bible in a year, in the last year, and we actually read through and studied the book of Mark almost all year last year, you'll learn a lot about Jesus. One thing you learn about Jesus, Jesus himself went through some bad things, okay? In fact, I'm going to look at Matthew 27. Matthew 27, verse 45 and 46 is not a parable. It's physical. Jesus felt what he felt. And when he's from the cross, he screamed, he screeched, he yelled this phrase. And I'm going to mess up the phrase because it left, they left it in the original language in the Bible. Okay. It's a rare thing. It's a few times you can see Jesus' original words literally there. And it says, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. He's on the cross. They, I mean, the story is a lot bigger than this, but he said at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, I don't want to minimize what that, I mean, this is huge. He doesn't just call out like a little bit elevated. He screeches. It literally means screech, how we would say screech or scream or, or like yell in a, it, it, it's a blood curdling yell, it, 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 whatever. You've ever heard some person scream and it gives you goosebumps or whatever. This is how he would yell this. And this is where I'm going to screw up because I've tried to practice this a lot over the years. He said this in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lemus Sabachthani. I messed it up, but just go on with it. Let me interpret, let, let's let the writer interpret this, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Everybody say abandoned. Okay, some translations say forsaken. You could say forsaken, you could say walked away, you can say abandoned. Whatever the case may be, Jesus felt utterly alone. Now, Jesus is a little, I'll admit, Jesus is a little bit different than us. As a church, a lot different than us. One thing is that we believe, don't ask me to explain this, I could kind of explain it, but I, 
or we believe that Jesus is 100% all human. He was he flesh and bone. You could you could go you could poke him and you can go like that and you can count his hair. You can pull his hair, whatever. And he was 100% Almighty God, the Son. Okay, from eternity all the way past before this world even existed, Jesus the Son existed with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Again, you need someone smarter than than me to, to explain it to you about how that is even possible. My brain cannot comprehend that. So Jesus has a little bit a head start over us. When he struggles, he knows that God exists. He can't deny that God exists. He knows his Father exists. Because why? Because he spent eternity with him. Okay, he knows how it works. He's heard the voice of his Father. But then when he's on the cross, he's getting ready to breathe his last. He cries out in a very loud note, in a very loud screech, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Now he knows he knows the scripture in like the book of Psalms that says, never will you leave me or forsake me. There's a m- many of those verses over the Bible. He knows those. He knows that truth. But he also knows that what he feels in his life, that God, you've abandoned me. You've walked away. You've turned your back on me. You're ignoring me. Why are you doing this, God? And listen, it gives, me, it gives us permission to cry out to God. When you feel abandoned by God, you can scream it out because why? Jesus did. And this may be the freeing, this may be the one, and I really thought about this week. I want to free somebody here that God is not offended by your hard questions. God is not offended by your difficult questions that you go, God, I know the Bible says this, but I know that you say this, but this is what I feel. God is never offended by your difficult questions. I think over the years for myself, I've been afraid to be real with God. I for sure have been struggling to be real with other Christians because I felt if I talked to a Christian, they would just judge me. Real Christians don't doubt. Real Christians don't have a struggle. Real Christians don't overeat, overspend, and they have great marriages. All, all Christians do. The reality is, no, even if you're a Christian, you'll go through some hard times. You'll go through some dark seasons. You'll go through seasons where it makes you go, what is going on? Have you ever thought that? What's going on? God, what? Why? I just got through this season. Things were good for like two, two hours. And now I'm going through another difficult season. What is going on? Why God? Everybody say, why God? Why God? We do that. And it gives you permission to do that because Jesus said it. David said it. He's quoting David. Okay? David said that himself. I like to say it this way. Um, God, why the cat and mouse game? Why the hide and seek? Why is it that you hide? I know you're, I know you're there, but why does it seem like you're hiding behind something and I have to go find you? I don't like this game anymore. I'm not a kid anymore. I don't like hide and seek. We've had hide-and-seek in, in this whole building. It's kind of cool in the dark. Um, why? Why have you abandoned me, God? I want you to think about the last day of Jesus on earth. He was abandoned by his closest friends, the disciples. Every single one of them abandoned him. He was arrested alone. G- Peter was a, 
at, from a distance. So Peter couldn't even, he was hiding, and he's warming himself by fire, and he's like, is Jesus there? Every single disciple left him. They arrested him alone. They whipped him alone. They killed him alone. And Jesus on the cross didn't just go through a physical beating. He did, but he also carried the world's sins on his shoulders. Even the sins of the people who will never receive Christ because they reject him. And if, you're, if you reject Jesus, I want to say this as loving as I can. If you reject Jesus, you will spend eternity separated from him forever. And the best news I can give you is you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be what you call good. Paul would say, Who, who's good? What's good? No one's good. Okay? But you say, Lord, I admit I need you, Lord. Help me to live for you with everything. And that is the wonderful news. But Jesus was utterly alone. And the worst part of it all was we believe that while he was on the cross, he carried all of the world's sin, past, present, and future. He carried your sin, and you weren't even born yet. Think about the last time that you disobeyed God, you did something that you're not proud of. Pastor, it was never, I'm always good. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just think about the last time you had a bad attitude driving to church. You're kicking and screaming going to church, and that's the pastor's wife. Last time I said the pastor, but I'll just use you as an example. You know, you're kicking and screaming. When was the last time and Jesus had those sins on there? He experienced abandonment. We believe that God turned his back on Jesus. He'd never experienced the, we have never truly experienced the abandonment of God like that. If you're here on earth, you, you have by roundabout way the, the Holy Spirit. Okay, he's here. Okay? But Jesus, completely abandoned by God, and he, scry- he screams, my God, my God, why have you abandoned? This is not a way of just making us feel good about ourselves. Oh, Jesus experience, I'm glad. No, 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 no. He truly feels that way. He feels that he is at his worst. And I want you to think about in your life, if you've ever been rejected and abandoned by people like Jesus did, I know people who've been married and their their spouse abandoned them. I know people who, when they were a kid, their parent or parents abandoned them. A good friend that used to be a friend. Look, I had I've had people that were my friends. I would no longer call them my friend. Or it could be your children. It could be your grandchildren. It could be your boss. It could be a co-worker that you felt close and they rejected you. They, quote, abandoned you. I want you to feel that right now, just a moment, because that's how Jesus felt. But it's worse when you feel that God has abandoned you. What do you do when you are currently saying, God, where are you? What do you do? This is, I'm not trying to oversimplify it because it's a, it's a season of, question. It's a season that's very complicated. But when you experience that, what is your natural tendency is to run to God or run away from God? I want to give you my little secret into my life. When I've experienced what I feel like God abandoned me, even though I don't believe he did, but in the middle of it, it's hard to see God. I feel like I'm in this forest that I can't see him for where, or it's foggy. I can't see him clearly. I've gone, I've done both, ran to God and there are times where I've ran away from God. Okay? 
when I ran away from God, it took me longer to realize that God is still there. But at the same time, God always met me where I was at. Always. Okay? I'm not making that up either. Now, what I want to do today is this might not be a, this is like when you have a sliver in your finger and I have to poke your finger or a doctor has to to cut it out. I want you to process your pain. I want you to process your abandonment. I want you to process the times where you feel hurt by people or God. Okay, I want you to be real with it. I don't want you to doubt it. I don't want you to say, oh, it's the, my doubt doesn't exist. Or if I was a real Christian, I wouldn't even have a problem. Throw those things out the window forever and say, this is my situation right now. What you need to do is go through some processes of how am I going to respond when those things happen. I believe there are three ways that you, three healthy responses when you experience bad things and you actually um, feel abandoned by God. And I hate to say this because people have told me this, Joel, you have a, you actually have a choice in how you're going to respond when bad things happen to you. Ouch. Ouch. How many of us, when something bad happens to you, you're forced to go punch the person in the face? Or you're forced to say a bad word? You're forced to tell them to go to hell? Like, think about it. You're not, none of us are forced to do those things. Right? Be honest. No, no, it's, you can't, pastor, when someone makes me mad, I punch him in the face. I can't help it. Then you got pit problems. You know, it's like a little kid. I can't help you. You start slapping them because they make you mad. You know, they took the last piece of chocolate cake and you slap them. You know, I would never do that. But I would just go grab some ice cream from the store. But the first, there's three healthy responses to when you experience bad things and you feel abandoned by God. Number one, and again, the next time that you, this might seem so simplified. I'm not trying to make it simplified, but I'm, again, maybe trying to make it simplified. Something complex. When you deal with hurt and pain in your life and you feel abandoned by God, number one is you need to remind yourselves that God loves you and is with you always. Everybody say always. The Bible is very clear throughout from the Old Testament to New Testament all the way through. You don't have, there's just no God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament type of baloney. There's not that. Okay, God is the same all the time. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The story of God in the Old Testament is exactly the same as New Testament, except for the fact that he sent Jesus into the world, okay, to forgive the world. That's why. But remind yourself that God loves you. He's with you what? Always. You could feel at your worst. You could be at your worst. You could be in a I had this picture, this image of a guy who has lost everything. He's sitting at a bar, and he is sitting at the bar, crying. His wife left him. His kids left him. He's sitting there asking the bartender for the next drink, and the bartender has to stop him from drinking because he's been drinking all night. He's, doing the, he's at the worst of himself, and then he decides, I, need to, I don't know what else to do. I'm crying out to God. That guy at that bar stool is God Almighty in, that, in, his, in, in the bar at that time with him. He's crying out to God. Some of us don't even know how to answer. He is there. Some people go, well, I got, you know, I got myself in this mess. My wife left me because of that. My kids won't talk to me because of that. I'm at this bar drinking my sorrows away because of this and that. And God, there's no way he's there. Listen, the Bible says that he'll never leave you or forsake you. It's either, either telling the truth or the Bible's lying. 
You can't have it both ways. When the Bible says that he'll never leave you or forsake you, he will never, ever, ever, ever. You could turn your back on God, but guess who's right with you the whole time? God. That might be shocking. You might not even agree with that. Look, I'm just, I'm not coming out with this stuff out of, my, out of thin air, okay? It's what I believe because that's what the scriptures talk about, okay? Sometimes my feelings contradict the Bible. Sometimes I go, man, I made this mess. I got to clean it up myself. God, this is what I've been taught in my life. When you make your own mess, you better clean it up, you know? It's like, I think I told this to the guys in the, uh, we, I use a lot of good illustrations with the guys, it's like, how do we view God? When you make a mistake, does God take your little puppy? When the puppy makes a little mess on the carpet, what do you do with the dog usually? Put the nose in the mess. You like, did anybody have done that? Like, you, no, no, no. Yeah, someone's like, you do that? Listen, no, I don't do, we've never done that. But I've seen par- people, parents, I've seen, if you're a dog parent, your dog, children, you went, no, bad boy, no piddle on the carpet. And does God do that? Dwayne, let me get you by the ear. Put, look, you go in the mess. No, the good news about Jesus Christ, you make the mess, Jesus cleaned it up. You simply go, God, I made a mess. Ah, God is not going, put you in, your nose in that thing. Put your nose in the corner. That's what my parents used to do for me. Go put your nose in the corner and be there for three hours. Okay, maybe not that long, but I can't remember how long it was. But the good news is this, that God is with you always. In fact, Hebrews, I could have chose a, a million different verses, but Hebrews 13.5, he's talking specifically about contentment and, and, and not loving money, but he says, don't love, the, the author of Hebrews says, don't love money, be satisfied and content with what you have, for God has said this, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. The reason why I chose that one is there's this added word. I will never fail you. I'll never abandon you. You may have felt that God has left you. He's left the building. He's not in your life. He's abandoned you. No, no, He's never left you and he's never failed you. God has never, I listened to an old, uh, it's a, I think it's Jars of Clay, an old uh, Christian band. It says, God has not failed me yet. I think it's an old song, but I like the Jars of Clay version of it. You haven't failed me yet. I love that. The, the song's kind of melancholy, but it's still, uh, the, the message is really good because God has never, ever, ever failed you, and he never, ever, ever will. He has your best intention in your life. We just don't always understand his plan. We don't understand it. We don't get it. We can question it and go, God, Why? And because God is with you always, you are never alone. Even that guy at the bar, he's made the mess himself. And he's going to have to clean up some of the mess. Like his wife left him, his children left him. I mean, he, he, it's not like all of a sudden the, the wife is going to go, or the husband, whatever, however the situation is. It's not like it's just going to be magically fixed. So he's going to have a mess. But when it comes to his relationship with God, when he get, he's at his worst moment, he's at his worst point, God is even there right next to him in the bar. That might be shocking for some of us. But you can't tell it to the guy who was at the bar and God changed his life in the middle of the bar. 
Because that's happened. It doesn't always happen at the church building. It doesn't always happen in your home. It doesn't always happen in your car. Sometimes you're in the middle of your sin and you realize, I need God. Because God's trying to wake you up. See, he's either there or he's not. So we got to remember, when you're in the middle of pain and frustration and sin, God will never leave you. In fact, Matthew 28, 20, Jesus said this, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. He says, remember this. Don't forget this part. I am with you always, even to the end of the age, even till the world ends. I will never leave you. I'll never abandon you. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to fill you up. That I don't care where you're at. You're in the grocery store. You're at a restaurant. You're in the church building. You're in your home. You're arguing with someone. You're, you're, uh, you, you ran out of money. He is still there. He's never left you, period. So even if you feel like God is not there, even if you feel like you're at your worst, you're ashamed of what you've done, listen, We've all been there, done that. Anybody ever been to a place where they felt ashamed of what they've done? It's like when you're a little kid and you have to admit to your parents that you did something bad. Gosh, I hated that. Or you're telling your wife you did something bad. I hate that. And you go up there and you shake and mess up your words. And you go... Nah, not today. I'm not telling my mom and dad that. I'll just let them find out that I broke this or I threw a rock in someone's window. That will do wonders. But uh, God, listen, is that making your mess that you created okay? No. But what it is is you have a Messiah. You have a, you have a Savior who died for your sins that you can receive Christ today and forgiveness that you have a life ahead of you that's infinitely better than what's behind you. Infinitely better. Because you have eternity with God because not what you've done, but because of what he's done. So because God is always with you, you can take your difficult questions to God. And if you're human right now, you have some questions you want to ask God. Like, I've heard people say, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this. I say, why wait to heaven? Ask him now. You, just, you have a conversation with God, and you say, God, I'm really struggling with this. God, I, I, I was doing my best, and this person just abandoned me. This person left me. This, I, was, I, haven't done any, I haven't done, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I've, I, I've, I've done decent and cancer. This year has been a year, of, this last year has been a year of cancer for people around me. I don't get it. And I can start going, I can use that as an excuse to what, what's going on? And I've sat down with God and I said, God, I have a difficult question. I don't know if I can get the answer to it right now. See, Hebrews 4, 15 through 16, this is, these two verses, I, I promise you, they're, if you can take them to heart, it'll change your life. Okay? Because God uses the Bible to really dig into your spirit. But Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. Hebrews 4, verse 15 and 16. The high priest, it's talking about Jesus. Okay, you'd have to be in the Old Testament a little bit, but what the high priest really did. 
but he's using an example of Jesus being even higher than the high priest. This one that represents God the Father to humanity. It says, this high priest of ours, he understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So, let us come boldly. Everybody say boldly. Boldly. Go boldly where you've never gone before, or whatever that, whatever that statement. You can go boldly to God's throne. You can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. What does that look like to you when you're going boldly to the throne of God? It means you can run to God right now. You don't need to go, you don't need to bathe. You don't need to wash your feet. You don't need to clean up all the crud and then go to God. You go to him, mess and all. You come to the throne of our judgmental God. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? No. What it says? It says, go to the throne of our gracious God. There, at his throne, when you come there boldly and not like, what's God going to do to me? I am such a sinner. What is he going to do to me? I need you, God, but I'm afraid of you right now. Don't throw rocks at me, God. There, at his throne, we'll receive his mercy. We'll find grace and we'll find help. We'll find grace to help us when we need it the most. The guy at the bar, what does he need right now? He needs help. He needs grace. He needs mercy. He needs God. He has a mess that he has right in front of him. Some of the things are not going to go away right away. He's going to have to work with his wife. He's going to try to have to fight to get his kids back. All I know is that he has a disaster ahead of him. But what does he need right then, right there? He needs God right then, right there. He doesn't need a church building. He needs God to show up right there in the bar, at the bar stool. That's the God that we serve. We don't serve a God that says, come to me. We have a God that comes to us. God, we need you. We'll receive his mercy, his grace to help us when we need it the most. Because God is with you, this is a huge thing, because your season of struggle is a season. This season is, not, is a part of your story, not the entire story. I'm a, I like reading. Call me a nerd. That's fine. Everybody say nerd. Nobody wants to. It's fine. The thing I learned about some novels is some chapters are really long. I was reading a book. One of the, cha- one of the chapters was like 300 pages. That's a long chapter. I started going, getting sick of it. Because like, what's next? Then I read some chapters, only a page. I love that. But what I want to, if your life is like a book that's being written, God is writing your novel. Sometimes you're going to get to a chapter that you do not like. You wish you could skip it. But by the way, you can't skip that chapter. It's a part of your story that the rest of your story will make sense once you see the whole thing, the whole picture, it will make sense. But right now in the middle of that chapter, you don't know what, why you're going through it. It's kind of like when you, when you read a, a novel that's part of a series of books. Let's say there's a series of books like, like, like 15 books, and you jump in book seven. You read book seven, and it doesn't make sense, Right? It won't, even if you're not a reader, you get this. If you start in chapter, if you start in book one, chapter one, and you work up to book seven, then you go, okay, I kind of get a little bit more. There's references. Then you finish the series and you go, oh, book seven makes complete sense right now. But in the middle of that book, I didn't get it. 
It's just like our life. You're in a season right now, you're in a chapter right now that you do not like. You don't have to like it. You don't have to fake liking it. God, I really don't like going through this, but since you're listening, I love going through this, Lord. I love it. You don't have to fake it. There's way too many phony Christians. We need to be real. And God, I am struggling right now. I don't like this chapter. When's this chapter going to end? How many pages is this chapter? 300 pages? How how many? Is this this chapter 20 years of my life? Because I don't like this. It's only a part of your story, not the entire story. 1 Corinthians 13 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, I love this. It gives you two realities. It gives you the now. Everybody say now. And then. Say then. Now and then. Now is like what you're experiencing now. And then it's talking about, the, it's talking about heaven. It's talking about over there. It's talking about over yonder, if you want to talk, use those. It's talking about some other time that we're going to experience something. There's two realities at the same time. There is the now, but there's the not yet. Okay? We want to understand everything. We want to be in the not yet. But we're in the now. He says this. What are you talking about, Joel? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. Now, everybody say now. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we'll see everything with perfect clarity. Then, all that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. One thing you got to know about mirrors in those days, the worst that you need to do is probably clean off a mirror a little bit. You need to spray a little bit of that Windex and go, and it's a street free clean. Yeah, right. But you clean it, you can go, oh, I can see myself, flaws and all, perfect. But it, mirrors in those days, you couldn't hardly see anything through them. The, the, the material that they had was like, let's see. Blue eyes or brown eyes? I can't tell today. Let's, hold on. Okay, blue. Right, perfect. So he uses this image of a mirror that in your life, it's like looking in this fuzzy mirror that you can't quite see everything in the mirror. But someday, you're going to be able to see the picture completely. Your life, there's a bigger picture going on in your life than you can see. Does that explain everything you're going through? No, it does not. Does it, does it 100% help what you're going through? No, it does not. But it can say one thing, that God will allow something in your life to bring you to a place that you need to go. That if you were just to go through life, just everything, every day is like a vacation. Every day is like Hawaii. Every day is so perfect. You'll never get to where God needs you to go. If, it, if my life was perfect and every day was like a vacation, Do you think I'd wake up early? Do you think I would sit there and drink my coffee all day? Of course I would. That's how I would live my life. I would never improve my life. I would never grow as a Christ follower. I'd never serve people if everything was perfect. But since I'm in this world, I have to get up. And God says, you know what? Someday you're going to look back at your life and go, I understand why I had to go through that. Number two, what, what happens when you're going through bad times and you feel abandoned? You need to turn why God into what God? I've heard a lot of people say, why God? I've said, why God? And I want to say something right now, right away. Why God is not a sin. When you say, why God? That's not a horrible sin. 
But why God is a horrible place to camp out for the rest of your life? Because you might not ever get the answer to why God in this life. If you have a problem with that, don't go to me. Go to God and say, what's up with that? What's up with that? Why God? I mean, what God? <laughs> Turn your why God into what God? And, and so what I love about this is um, there's some questions we could ask ourselves. It's, what do you want to teach me? Boy, I hate this, this point. Lord, can I just learn from a book? Lord, can I just learn by osmosis? Can someone else struggle and I can learn it? Here's the answer. No. You don't learn if you don't experience it. Most of us are experiential type of learners. There's a few of us that were in school that you want them to, you, you, you want them to um, monologue. It's like this is the worst kind of teaching right here is me preaching. Most of us are going to walk out here and go, have no idea what Joel just said. Fine. Most of us are experiential learners. We actually learn by experiencing things, good and bad. We don't want to admit this, but Lord, since I'm going through this, Lord, what are you teaching me? What am I learning? See, even Jesus learned something through his suffering. Hebrews 5.8, it says, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned, Jesus had to learn, he learned obedience. Really? That's shocking. He learned obedience from a book. He learned obedience to his father through just being a good person. No, he learned obedience from the things that he suffered or through the things that he suffered. He learned obedience from the very suffering he took. That when he said, your will be done, here I'm on the cross, is there any other way? But not my will, your will be done. Why? Because the suffering taught him that obedience is the right way. Because Jesus didn't say only why. He actually asked what? What are you, what are you doing? He had a bigger picture. Jesus had a bigger picture type of life when he was on the cross. He knew that the season was just a chapter in his book. Here's another example, another question we can ask. Ask God, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do in me? Because so we're so worried about our outside appearance. We're so worried about what the people outside of us think of us. I will present myself as the most holy person in front of certain people. Because if they knew the real me, they might not like me. So I'm going to put on a false... I'm going to put it on a facade, and maybe they'll like me. The reality is God, he goes, I can see through you. I, I care more, way more about the stuff that's going on right in here. But what do you want to do in me? See, Paul, the apostle, was a great example of this. He had what he called the thorn in the flesh. Anybody ever heard that phrase before, thorn in the flesh? What, what, what was that? Oh, yeah, by the way, nobody knows, so I'm just going to speculate. Nobody knew what it was. There's a couple theories. It could have been he's going blind. It could have been that he was going crippled, that he no longer could walk. It could be that it was just a satanic attack. We don't know. Whatever it was, he asked God, please take it away three times. Not 300 times, three times. And God said, what, did he, what was God, God's answer every single time? Nope. 
God. That's one. Okay, God, please. Nope. God, please. Nope. See, he stopped doing the why, and he started going, okay, God, what are you doing? In fact, 2 Corinthians 12. Again, we don't know what it was. I would like to know. Just, I'm a Bible nerd. I would like to know. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, okay, he doesn't understand, he, he doesn't quite like what he's dealing with, but he's getting the what here, what's going on in his life. What are you doing in me? To becoming too proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. There's a reason why he was going through what he was doing. Because Paul could have got too big for his own britches. Go, look how, look how nice I'm, look at how good I am. Look at how, look at how wonderful I am. I'm leading everybody to Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm reaching the world. We can think, if we take God out of the situation, we can thank the Apostle Paul for you, all of us, becoming Christians. Did you know that? If it wasn't for Paul, a lot of the church would have been in Jerusalem and just that surrounding areas. Paul, he went beyond that. And the, the gospel started to spread because of people like the Apostle Paul. Well, you could say the Holy Spirit, of course. But the Apostle Paul could have got proud. But God allowed something bad to happen in his life, whether it be physical or spiritual attack, we don't know. But he actually got a thing that God said, I'm not taking away from you. Why? You know what? Because I'm going to, Paul, I'm going to do something in you that's going to cause you to keep trusting in me. And so you're not too proud. You're not saying that you're doing this to yourself. So the things that you're dealing with aren't always, you still have a question mark. Why, God, will you not take this away from me? I'm so angry with you, God. What you're doing, sometimes you don't quite know what he's doing in you. That's a good question to start with. God, what are you doing in me? Then the last question, ask God, what do you want to do through me? This is the, the biggest thing I want to tell you right now. I don't even have it on a slide because I want you to get it. This is my story in my life. Is For the most, most part of our lives, the, the deepest ministry that you'll ever have in your life is from the deepest pain that you have. The deepest ministry. Okay, nobody got excited. Hold on. Because this is, if you, if you're, if you live your life as a servant of God, that you reach people for Christ, this means a lot. This is so you go, I'm not wasting my entire life. If you want a deep ministry where it is changing your life and the people around you, it will often come from the deepest pain that you've ever had. If you have been, if, if you were abandoned by a parent or two, Think about the ministry that you could do for children who their parents have abandoned them. You're not going to talk to Pastor Joel because my parents were always there. I could be at my worst and my mom and dad were always there. But because this individual, because God allowed that to happen, mom left, dad left, both left, because that happened, is that a good thing? No, it's not a good thing. It's horrible. I mean, I'm not a good parent. You know, I'm not a perfect parent, I should say. Maybe I'm not a good parent. I don't know. But I will always be there for my son. 
no matter what. But some parents, gone. Who better to serve ministry and to take what Satan meant for harm and do it for good? And you could rub that in Satan's nose. You could take Satan's nose and rub that in the carpet. And you could say, see, look, you meant harm. We brought good from it, period. Because he works all things together for the good of those who love him. Now, that doesn't mean we just, I'm so happy this happened to me. But your deepest ministry will often come from your deepest pain. Give me two minutes and I'll be done. When you can't figure out what God is doing, trust God's heart. Another word for that. I was trying to figure out what word I want to use for God's heart. When you can't figure out what God is doing, trust God's intention. Trust that he's got a bigger picture in your life than you could even imagine. You need to understand what his heart really is. He has a plan. He loves you. He's always there. It will not be easy, but you say, God, you can cry out, God, I don't understand you. I don't understand your plan, but God, I trust you. I just trust you. I don't know... (laughs) I'm going to have to trust you, God. I'm going to dig my feet in, and I'm going to trust you, even though I don't understand it, even though I'm not quite sure if I like what's going on here. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your plan. The last thing I want to say, very practical, because I, was, I, I actually, the last time I struggled with something, I wrote down the order of things that I actually did to help me. Because there was the, there was not so long ago I was dealing with something going, ah, why God? And if I camp in why God for too long, it's a very dangerous place to be forever. I quieted my soul. I was by myself. I, I took my phone and I threw it, not threw it, but set it down. I wanted to throw it. Turn it down. Turn the TV off. Turn my, close my computer. Don't look at YouTube. The only thing I did for technology was that I said, Alexa, or we call him Ziggy. You can change the name, but is that what you say? Ziggy? You can change the name from Alexa to Ziggy. Anyway, see, I'm like rabbit trail. Um, I said, Ziggy, play some worship music. And she'll play some worship music, the ones that we play a lot. I quieted my heart. Put some worship music on, quieted myself before God, prayed, was quiet before God again, listened, opened up the Bible, read a few scriptures, quieted myself again, and the peace of God just washed over my life. And took that garbage, all that bad attitudes or the the, the questions, I'm like, ah, he took them, he just, God says, I, I, here, give them to me. Give your questions to me. I can handle it. Jesus has got a big bag full of your questions. And he's walking. He's like, I got them. Put them in my bag. I can handle them. Because you can't hand, I can't handle all those questions. When we can't figure out what God is doing, just trust his heart. And my point is, here, you can have it. There. <laughs> the point is, quiet your soul. When you're struggling, the best thing you could do is to quiet 
your soul and worship him. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this series. God, I pray that if anyone in this room has problems and struggles, that they would take it to you, God, and that they would know that this is a church full of people who do not judge, but we are here to guide and direct and help. We know that you, God, are the ultimate helper, but there are other Christians that we need each other too. So God, I pray if anyone is in this room struggling and doubting and fearing you and don't know what's going on, that they would take it to you, they would run to you, they would worship you, they would just, they would look in the Bible and see the truth, and the truth would set them free. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wednesday night small group. What time? Seven, period. Good. I know what time it is. I'm just testing. For the men, it's going to be in that room. The women, it's going to be yonder. Over in that room over there, the very last room over here by the kitchen.